The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I'm very happy to be with you uh, today at the beginning of the new year. And I've got a real adventure to take you on with my guest, Clint Arthur. We're going to be talking today about The Last Year of Your Life. That's the name of the book that Clint has written, as well as his program, which, of course, we'll be telling you about. But um, this is a time, of course, the end of one year, the beginning of another year, when we all, even though we might not know admit it to ourselves uh, to the extent that we're thinking about it, but we are thinking about our own mortality. 2010 to 2011, I mean, it seems like it was just, what, a couple of years ago um, that the millennium was here. How did we get already to 2011? Time is going really quickly. And um, how are we spending it? Are we just treading water in our lives? Are we just frittering it away, doing you know, going down our to-do list of of tasks that aren't really very significant. You know, um, I don't know. Go to the between going to the gas station or going to the grocery store. I mean, it's like I mean, I know some things we all have to do, but uh, but we need to fill our days with things that are a lot more significant than that. Um, even though we do need gas and we do need to eat. So today we're going to be taking, as Clint says, a personal exploration experience, having a personal exploration experience. And um, I think, um, Clint, obviously you can't go through your whole program in an hour, but um, you certainly can give people a taste of this. And I've been reading the book, and it's really... um, it, it, I mean, it's so, first of all, it makes so much sense, and second of all, um, it just seems like, yes, of course, we do need to do it, and we do need to do it now. And um, one of the things that I like about the book is how you uh, wind and twine your personal story into the chapters. And so why don't we start off with your personal story. I mean, you know, I always, when I put people on my couch on my show, and I'm talking about their personal story for why they did whatever they did, you know, write a book, for example. Um, I mean, going back to childhood. So how did you get from little Clint <laughs> to uh, to someone who's thinking about the last year of your life? It's amazing that you put it that way because you want to hear about little Clint. The first, The first really big memory that I have was when I was at, summer camp when I was about 10 years old and I got 
cast in the role of Piazzola the Clown at, at Camp Hemshech, Yiddish culture camp. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, that was the beginning of it all for me because I then began to get cast in all these plays. I played Emil in South Pacific. I played the Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. I played... Uh, Mr. Bumble in Oliver. I played Tony in West Side Story in eighth grade. I played Conrad Birdie in Bye Bye Birdie in tenth grade. And by the way, in between eighth and tenth grade was ninth grade. I went to high school, and the, and in my junior high school, they did Bye Bye Birdie and John Cryer, the famous guy from Two and a Half Men. He played Conrad huh. Birdie. Really? In ninth grade, in my junior high school. So if I had stayed, I would have had that role, and I'd be on Two and a Half Men instead of him, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, we we keep going. We keep going here. So I I made up my mind when I was a little kid. I wanted to go to the best business school in the world. My father was an accountant. I worked with him a lot of times when I was young, and I made up my mind I was going to the Wharton Business School. And sure enough, you tell a kid that if he sets his mind to something, he can do it, and I did it. And so I ended up graduating from the same college as Donald Trump and all of his kids. Hmm. And, of course, after I graduated, I realized that what I really wanted to do was direct, <laughs> like hmm. everyone, right? So I moved out to Los Angeles to pursue my ambitions of becoming a movie director and a movie star like my idol, Spike Lee. And hmm. I pursued that goal like a man on a mission, I was so dedicated. I, I really tried hard. And after 10 years of pursuing the Hollywood dream, I found myself driving a taxi to survive, deep in credit card debt. I mean, really, really deep. And terrified that I was never going to be able to turn my life around. And well, now, wait, wait. Before, you know, it's hard for me um, to, uh, to imagine... Uh, first of all, somebody, you know, even if I hadn't, um, even if I wasn't acquainted with you, um, just the idea of someone getting through, you know, having the dream to go to Wharton Business School and then getting through it, uh, not the easiest thing in the world, um, and having done these various plays, I mean, obviously you had some talent or you wouldn't have been getting the lead roles. So how does somebody with that much drive and talent spend 10 years in Hollywood and not get to be, you know, I guess enough of a star to, or enough of getting enough work to at least provide for yourself. Explain that. Shocking, isn't it? I mean, I started three films, none of which saw the light of day. I wrote 30 screenplays, none oh. of which were produced by a major studio. I, uh, I wrote you know, 10 television series. I, 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 I really did everything that I felt that I could possibly do. I studied acting at the top acting studio in Hollywood. And I, I really gave it my all. And all I can say is that it just was not meant to be. And I guess the reason it wasn't meant to be was because there was other plans for me that the universe yeah. had. And I think, yeah. that, I think that the last year of your life may be the other plan. I think that the last year of your life is, is something that has been in the works or is part of a plan that's been in the works for 5,279 years because mm -hmm. on, January, on, on December 21st of this year is going to begin the last year of the Mayan calendar. And I believe that there's something going on here. I mean, it's a 5,280-year-old calendar that is going to be ending here. And my book 
I believe, is part of the whole worldwide phenomenon oh. of of this ending of a cycle. That's very and, interesting. And if I had succeeded as an actor in, in any kind of way, I never would have gotten to the point in my life where I would have written this book, that's for sure. You know, it kind of, um, just to sort of quickly interject something, and then I want to go back, of course, to to um, what changed, you know, what turned you around from pursuing the dream, uh, that story. Um, but, you know, it reminds me of, I wrote a book um, called um, Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted, that was published in the U.K. in uh, 2006 on the one-year anniversary of 7-7, the 9 and um, in that book, and at the time that I wrote it, I did not know anything about this Mayan calendar in 2012. You know, I don't know, maybe I was on another planet or whatever. I just didn't know about it. But my last chapter um, talked about, I compared, um, I, I related to the Titanic. And, um, and, and 2012, and that was the day before... Seven seven. There was celebration in England because they had got the Olympics, and um, it, it, anyway, it all surrounded 2012. And after I wrote the book, and after the chapter was about uncertainty in life and so on, and after that, um, the book was well published. You know, I came across this whole thing about 2012, and I had one of those um, Twilight Zone moments, thinking like, was the universe? You know, was I meant to write this? I, I mean you know, and warn people, um, I don't know about 2012, but I mean about, it just seemed that, oh, well, all of this must really be true, all the points that I was making about it, because, you know, lo and behold, there is something that I was tuning into. I know, it's very, very spooky, but in a positive, in a good way. So go ahead, tell us about, um, about you know, what, what got you off that treadmill of pursuing the Hollywood dream. Well... What got me off that treadmill of pursuing the Hollywood dream was I, you know, I, I really did not, I did not love myself by the end of that thing. I, I was, I was just hating myself. I, I felt like a failure. I felt like I was not a good person because I was just willing to do anything to make it happen by the end. And it, and it just wouldn't happen. And one day I went to the chiropractor and I was having real problems with my knees and I could barely walk down a flight of stairs. I had to hold the handrails with both hands and really lower myself down a flight of stairs because my knees were so weak. And so I went to my chiropractor and he said, maybe you ought to think about trying to cure your body with raw nutrition. I said, what do you mean? And he hands me this book called We Want to Live Free from Disease by Ogenes Vanderplanitz, and I flip open to a random page. This is a true story. And on the page right there, it says, remedy, if your knees are weak or your legs feel like they're going to give out from under you, you have a thyroid deficiency, you need to eat lots of raw oysters, clams, and scallops from the sea. And those are my favorite foods, have always been. But in those days, I was so poor and so into denying myself any any kind of anything that I had this idea in my mind that a, a really nice dinner in those days was a Whopper Junior for 99 cents and a six-pack of Miller Lite beer. And here this book was saying the answer to my problems with my legs, and I was worried I was going to become a cripple, was to eat my favorite foods, which are not cheap. It's expensive to eat oysters. So I said, well, I'm going to try it. So 
I started eating oysters like a madman, and lo and behold, within six months, I was able to dance again. Hmm. And I got into this raw nutrition thing in a big way. I read the whole book. I became a raw primal diet food eater, eating everything, meat, chicken, fish, pork, whatever, raw, and raw butter. And all, all of these recipes, they were all very similar. They would say you need raw meat, raw butter, raw milk, and raw honey. Those were in most of the recipes. And the only problem was that there was no raw butter in the, in, in the world. There was no raw butter. And I started calling up dairies in California. No, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. And then my girlfriend at the time, she said, hey, we need the butter. We need the butter. And I'm like, all right. So I started calling farms around the country. I made 153 phone calls. And lo and behold, I convinced this lady to make me 40 pounds of raw butter, meaning unpasteurized butter. And one day I get a box of butter that shows up on my boat. I was living on my boat in Marina del Rey at the time. And lo and behold, I am now the only guy in California with any raw butter. And I had 40 pounds of it. And I started selling it to the raw food community. And that is how I got into feeding my body well and... I started uh, getting known as the butter man, and pretty soon I had famous chefs calling me up saying, hey, we hear you have some great butter. And today my company, the Five Star Butter Company, is a dominant force in its niche of providing portion control butter to five-star resorts and hotels and casinos such as all of City Center, all of Bellagio, Palazzo, Venetian, the Phoenician, and a whole bunch of other um uh, a whole bunch of other Starwood luxury collection hotels, a bunch of JW Marriott hotels. It, it's pretty. It's a pretty successful company, and that is what got me out of the Hollywood dream. I started loving myself with food, with and that's, yeah, with the butter, and then with all of nutrition, and that's why I believe that the first step in living the last year of your life for everyone is to identify what are your favorite foods and start eating them. And I encourage people in the first week of the program, write down your seven favorite foods. And, and that week, I want you to eat every single one of those foods, one per day, and really start loving yourself with food. Awesome. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky Road, lobster. Oh, we need to take a break. Uh, my guest is Clint Arthur. His book is called The Last Year of Your Life, and we have just begun the journey. Listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. 
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you about the last year of your life with my guest, Clint Author. That's the name of his book and his program that he will tell you about at the end of the show. Um, but in the meantime, we're hearing about his fascinating life. God, you know, you should be writing a, well, I mean, there is a lot of biological stuff, biological, biographical, <laughs> biological too. We're talking about raw food, raw butter. Um, biographical stuff in your book, but even, I mean, even just a, a real biography. Um, but you were touched about how the, so eat, eating, get, getting the raw butter um, not only helped you with the physical ailments that you started having because of nutrition and not being able to afford good food and so on, um, and treating yourself badly because you were disappointed in yourself because you weren't reaching the Hollywood dream, Um and then that got you into a business. So is that? But is that what? I mean, when did the? How did the day come when you said, or what made you? What went into the decision of? You know what? This is. I gave ten years to reaching to becoming a star and a director, and, and this isn't happening. I mean, how did? What made you at one point think that it's time to give up on that? Well. I I took a seminar, and it was called the Sterling Men's Weekend. And this was a, 
a weekend seminar with me and 200 guys in a room. And I came out of that seminar. I, I went into the seminar driving a taxi. And I came out of the seminar, and within three weeks, I was making $1,500 a week in the butter business. And it began a real intense journey for me. Like, I really wanted to transform my life. I was so scared that I was never going to be able to get out of it. I, I mean, Carol, you have to understand, I would be laying in bed on my boat. I, my boat was like less than 250 square feet of space that I was living in. I had no heat. I was freezing in the winter. I'd be laying in bed listening to the music of Jewel, you know, who was one of my heroes because supposedly she was homeless when she wrote her album and got discovered. And I, I would read my book written by my writing teacher in high school, Frank McCourt, and I could see my breath at night. It was so cold on the boat, and I'd be bundled up in all my heaviest clothes under the down comforter, and I was so scared I was never going to be able to turn it around. So I said, I've got to do something, and I started doing all the self-help work, and this began my self-help journey. And I... I did the Sterling Men's Weekend, and I came out of that, and three weeks later, my my butter business started throwing off all this money, and then I did Tony Robbins Unleashed the Power Within, and I walked on fire, and then I started making all this other money from a, a website that I had, and I I began to focus on on things that were making me money instead of getting me nowhere, and that that became butter. And then it transitioned into the real estate boom, and then I started building houses, and I built five houses during the real estate boom. And, and in the process, I was doing all this self-help work all along the way. And I finally got to the point where in one of these self-help experiences that I was in, this crippled old white man whose skin had turned black as coal came up right in my face and said, you don't know it yet, but you're already dead. And I thought about that compulsively for weeks and weeks. What does he mean I'm already dead? What does that mean? Am I a dead man walking? Am I on a date with destiny? What does that mean that I'm already dead and I just don't know it yet? And it came to be New Year's Day, and I sat down to write my list of goals, as I had gotten in the habit of doing on every New Year's Day. And... That year, I asked myself an unbelievable question. If this was going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? And by asking myself that question, I was able to break through years of procrastination, fear, and doubt. Like, I, I had been wanting to write my book about the success secrets I learned at the Wharton Business School. And I'd been putting that off for 10 years. Well, when I decided I was going to live that year as if it was the last year of my life, I wrote that book Boom, knocked it right out. I had, I had, I told you about my gourmet food business. I had needed to build a factory for my gourmet food business, but I was afraid to. The unknowns. Do you know what it takes to build a health department approved dairy processing facility in Las mm. Vegas, Nevada? It, mm. I didn't. It was, it certainly seemed like a scary prospect to me that would cost a lot of money, take a lot of time and effort and not necessarily turn out successful. And that year, I built the factory. This was 2008. It was October of 2008. The financial crisis was going on. The world was collapsing. And I, here I am driving around Las Vegas looking for vacant warehouse space to rent and, and build a factory in. 
And that year, I, at that point, I, had, I was obese. I weighed 236 pounds. Eating all that good food can take its toll on you. And I had reached 236 pounds, and that year I was able to lose 40 pounds without joining a gym, changing my diet, or hiring a trainer. And most importantly that year, when I was living as if it was going to be the last year of my life, I said, hey, I've been with my wife now for seven years, and things are rocky. Things were really tough. And I said, you know what? I don't want to go down to my grave and lose this relationship, lose this woman who's my soulmate and so important to me. We need to face the tough issues and get into therapy and counseling and turn it around, and we did. And that was the change in me, living as if it was going to be the last year of your life. That was it. Well, that's... uh, How did you convince you... I mean, how did you convince yourself that this was something real or that, um, you know what I mean, how did you, I mean, there must have been something really scary in what that guy said. Did you ever, what did you finally interpret that to mean when he said you're already dead? Okay, that man was the team leader of my men's team, okay? And after he ended his term of leadership, I got elected to be the leader. And I had no idea I was going to do this when I started my leadership. I said, you know, I just want to basically continue on the way David had been leading us without a real plan. But then when I became team leader, we used this technology in the men's divisions called CPR. It stands for Context, Purpose, and Results. And the whole, the whole heart and soul of CPR technology is the context. And we would play this game called What's My Context? And you would just stand in front of the men, and then they would, they would say what they thought your context was. It's amazing. Context is like a T-shirt that you wear that tells the whole world what you're all about, even though it doesn't say anything on it. And people know what your context is just, just because that's what you are. So anyway, I had to come up with a CPR for my term as leadership. I had a mentor. He said, well, what's your term as leadership going to be? And I, I said to myself, you know what, guys? I'm going to make a CPR about all of us living as, good, as if it's going to be the last year of our lives. Let's do that and see what happens. And that's exactly what I did. I, I went to a meeting one night. I brought a bunch of pages pre-printed out. It said, the last year of my life. And I handed them out to all the men. And I said, okay, men, we're going to have a common context this year. As I'm the team leader, we're all going to act as if it's the last year of our lives. And I'm going to be coming back to this month after month after month. And this is going to be the theme of my leadership. And hmm. that's where it all came from. Hmm. Okay. So right, it really is interesting. You know, it is like uh, the hand of fate came and said you could be much more useful to the world if you did this, you know, than yet another <laughs> another Hollywood actor. Um, uh, so, okay, why don't you start... Take us um, further into this concept of what okay. you, what you've so, developed. I mean, not just the sure. book, but the program of of or what thinking is for these fifty two weeks. Sure. So since the, since I lived the last year of your life experience with my men's team that first year, and we had some amazing results. Men did amazing things. In addition to what I did, you know, a, a man. Uh, 
had barely two nickels to rub together when he started, and by the end of that year, he had put together a business plan, found an investor, and opened up a cupcake store in a major regional mall in Southern California. It was an amazing thing. Uh, another guy had been playing music and singing his whole life, never recorded anything. He recorded a whole album of music, including the last year of your life song, which mm. is a beautiful song. And uh, it's so many great things. Now, since then, I have built a website. Okay, so after that, I'm, I'm sitting, my, my term of leadership ends, and I'm thinking, okay, that's going to be it, right? And I say to my, just offhandedly, in, uh, in November, a couple of years ago, I said to my wife, I am going, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about this idea of me starting up a website and offering the last year of your life to the world? She goes, wow, I love that idea. That sounds awesome. And so that's what I did. I bought the last year of your life.com and I looked online. And I found some video web conferencing technology. I found conference calling. I found uh, blogs. And I put it all together into a format where now you can either get the book and you can live the last year of your life with the book, or you can be part of the online membership program where you can watch videos and hear audios of me teaching the lessons of the last year of your life, because what the book is, as I was, as I was leading the course for the general public that first year, I, I wrote the book. You know, Every week I had to have different material that we were going to talk about, and I, I went through all the topics that I thought I had something to offer, and I went through all the topics that I used in, in leading the men's team, and I wrote all these things down. And as, as I wrote the book and I wrote as I wrote the weekly exercises the book came together and so the book is a 52 week experience of basically everything I ever learned from taking self-help courses throughout the world and I, I as I said I took tons and tons and tons of self-help courses and with the men's team every week we're doing self-help exercises and exploring what it means to be a human being and becoming spiritual. So some of the topics that I, that I include in this are how to create a new destiny for your life, growing up once and for all, getting healthier, appreciating the fleeting nature of life. Check them all out at thelastyearofyourlife.com. There's more, uh, so much that you can check out. Well, we'll we still have uh, the last thirty minutes of our life <laughs> together to go, so we'll take a break now. My guest is Clint Arthur. His book and his program is called "The Last Year of Your Life," and we'll be hearing more about it when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. 
comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Clint Author. He is the author of The Last Year of Your Life, A Personal Exploration Experience. And uh, in addition to the book, he has a whole program that takes you through um, this experience, this 52-week experience of the last year of your life, making it count. Um, before you tell us more about it, tell us about, uh, because in the book you, you have a chapter on death, and um, week 31, you look at death, <laughs> and um, uh, tell us about your first experiences with death, because I mean, I'm sure that that has played a role, consciously or unconsciously, in your um, setting up this this program. You know, the, the the importance of it. You want me to tell the story about the first time I saw a dead body? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that would be one thing. Yes. Okay. I was. I told you I liked business when I was a kid. I was a delivery boy for the florist across the street. And I started out doing it on Valentine's Day, so it's all happy people. But I stayed on working for them for a year and a half, and I delivered all kinds of stuff everywhere. And one day they sent me with a big bouquet of flowers, maybe it was a wreath, down to 21st Street and 2nd Avenue to the mortuary, and I had no idea. And I walk in, and I said, I'm here for the um, with these flowers, and they're like, the guy points me over to that door. He goes, go, go in there and put it up in the front. And I go inside the room, and there at the front of the room is a man dead in a casket. And I had to put these flowers on the, on the banquet or, or whatever table was up in the front. 
and I did not get a tip. <laughs> <laughs> and I was 12 years old, and that's the first time I ever saw a dead body. And what was what were you feeling at the time? It, it was kind of spooky. It was it was kind of creepy. Uh, kind of cold. I mean, the guy looked rather gray. He was old, cheeks sallow and drawn in. And I, I was happy to get out of there. And I remember walking out into the street and kind of shrugging off, kind of like ah, shrugging off that energy. Mm-hmm. And then I never saw another dead body again for a long, 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 long time until my grandmother died. And when we went, let's see, I was about 31 years old. Yeah, because my daughter was just born. And we went to the funeral, and we were in a limousine with my mom and my brother and my my daughter's mother and myself and the baby. And we we had gone to Florida for my grandmother to meet the baby, and they met in passing in the hallway in the hospital. She had gotten sick, and we went to the hospital to see her, and... There I am standing in the hallway with my with my daughter in my arms. She's like a year old. And they wheel my grandmother out, taking her to the intensive care unit. And she said, I waited for you, baby. And they, like, she took my daughter's hand in hers and looked at her for a moment. And then they wheeled her away, and that was it. It was like two souls passing in the hallway of a, of a hospital like that. And... So soon after, we went to the funeral, and when we got to the fun- to the cemetery to put her in the ground, they said someone ha- from the family needs to identify the body. And my brother and I got out of the limo, and we went to the back of the hearse, and they opened the lid of the coffin, and there was my grandmother laying in the box in just a simple white gown, traditional Jewish funeral attire. And I said, yep, that's her. She looked so little. She looked really, really small. Hmm. Okay. And how do you think these experiences are now, have now, and are now impacting the program that you developed? Well, I believe that the real reason that people don't change is because they think they're never going to die. And I know that I never gave a thought to dying for a long, long time. And as part of this whole experience with, with David Anderson being the leader of the team, we we went on a team overnight, and part of that whole thing was about coming to death with our own mortality. And I've carried that over into the last year of your life experience and I'm, I try to make it very clear for the for myself and for the members of the program that death is a reality. And we have to be mindful of the fact that we do not have unlimited amounts of time on this planet. We have a finite amount of time. In fact, there was a member of the program this year from Southern California. His name was West White in the 2010 program. And he was 33 years old, the youngest person in the program. And he passed away this year. He went to sleep on October 28th and did not wake up. He was obese. And that was 
part of the reason, I'm sure, that he died in his sleep this year. And it can happen to him or anyone. People are dying all the time. I mean, Brittany Murphy's another famous person. She died from mysterious causes at age 32. She was the star of many movies, including 8 Mile, which was an amazing movie featuring Eminem. Mm -hmm. And it, it can happen to you at any time in any place. And that is the heart and soul of the last year of your life. It's living, the, it's living one year, saying, I'm going to take one year, and I'm not going to fool myself into thinking I've got all of eternity to live on this planet. I'm going to live this year mindful of the fact that I could be dead every single day of this year. And that's why I have topics like the fleeting nature of life and, and death, understanding your own mortality, making peace with yourself and your higher power, under, understanding the meaning of your life, writing out your last will and testament, writing out your obituary. These are all exercises that people go through when they're living the last year of your life, either by reading the book or participating in the online program. Or I, I have a mastermind team for 18 high-level entrepreneurs, self-employed people, and uh, small business owners and high-level executives, people who are really succeeding in their life, who want to be part of a traditional Napoleon Hill-type mastermind experience with like-minded individuals all pursuing the same course of action. And we go through the 52 weeks of the experience together. And I lead that team personally every week. And we help each other with business ideas. We bounce ideas off each other. We give each other feedback and try to keep each other honest and accountable and inspect each other and celebrate our wins with each other. That's a really important aspect of life that in the old days, in the old days, people worked for big corporations, and there was more of a paternal thing where your boss would say, good job, good job. But so many people today, their boss never tells them good job. And, and so many people today are lone wolves, self-employed professionals, entrepreneurs. And if you're the boss, who's going to tell you good job? Nobody. So what I encourage all the members of the last year of your life to do to to celebrate their wins together and, and to celebrate with each other and by themselves. And when you win, you have to celebrate. That's part of the program. What do you do? What do you tell people who say, isn't this all too morbid? I don't want to think about this being the last year of my life. Well, it is kind of morbid, <laughs> but it's also kind of realistic. I mean, in our society, we sweep death under the rug. But not every society does that. In our society, you go into a supermarket and you see packaged cuts of chicken and meat and turkey. And you never think about the animals that are, are being slaughtered every day. And we change the names of food. Like, we're not, we're not eating... We're not eating... Beef. We're not eating a cow. We're eating cut a steak. We're eating mm. a cut of, of beef. Okay, it's not a cow. The mm. British have the British have something called mutton, mutton chops. Right? They're not eating lamb. They're eating mutton. Mm -hmm. And we try to make everything so pretty so that we don't have to think about the hard, cold realities of death. But if you spend your whole life pretending it's never going to happen, you're going to miss out on the power of living as if you have that knowledge and urgency. 
in your life. I mean, yeah, what am I going to say? If it's too morbid for you, what can I tell you? You're going to lose, man. You're going to lose out on an, on an amazing opportunity. And also, at the same time, you're going to miss out on the opportunity to celebrate life. Because only when you fully understand death can you fully understand the joy and beauty and exuberance of life. If you have nothing to compare the lows to, the highs are limited. And when you understand how deep the lows can be, that's what makes the highs so much better. If I had never been driving a taxi week after week after week after week, I do not think I could appreciate what I have as much as I do right now. Mm. I am so blessed to have created this life for myself where I'm not in the rat race, where I, I can buy anything I want. And the fact that I used to be a taxi driver, it, it, it only makes it all that much sweeter. And when you are living as though it could be the last day of your life or the last year of your life, it makes every day that you wake up that much more special and wonderful and joyous. Yes, and you can't. It's, it's harder to just let the days slip by and, and sit in front of television and just not really do anything special. We need to take a break. That's uh, <laughs> Maybe that's not that special, but we will be back with more special talk from the author, who is the author of The Last Year of Your Life, and he'll tell you more about the program that he has. And this is, boy, this is the time to be thinking about doing this. We'll talk about that, too. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. 
Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Fascinated, as I am sure that you are, with my guest, Clint Arthur, who is the author of The Last Year of Your Life. This is a time when we're all thinking about uh, the year changing, passing, going into 2011. It's hard to even say. I've been having trouble writing it. Um, And uh, Clint has this wonderful program, which makes people take more stock of each day and each week. Um, of the last year, visualizing, and you, and you like to try to make sure that people know that, I mean, you said um, people sometimes think that you had a, uh, yes, a, a terminal disease and that that's how or why you started this, because because it what really was your la- the last life, the last year of your life, but you try to, you make, you try to reassure people that that wasn't the case. No, it, it had nothing to do with me being sick. It only had to do with me being disgusted with what was going on or more accurately wasn't going on in my life. And so I took up this attitude that I'm going to just live as though I'm going to be dead on a certain date Mm -hmm. and go for it full force. And I still do this year after year. This is the third year I'm doing it now. And every time I ask my wife, should I get a new computer? Well, honey, it's the last year of your life. (laughs) Should I get this Rolex watch? I just want it so much. She's like, what are you waiting for? Get it. You never know. When, when you're going to get hit by a truck or just not wake up, like West White did not wake up in 2010. And the last yeah, year of your life is about, is about making things happen for yourself with that kind of urgency and power. Do you, is your, does your wife practice this with you? She just graduated from the program Yesterday, we had our death ceremony, rebirth ceremony, celebration feast. Uh, we just did that on January 2nd and 3rd, and it was awesome, awesomely powerful. And even I got the benefit of it. I mean, if you look at some of my media exposures and TV clips, I just did an interview today on the CW network, Good Morning San Diego. And no, it's um, San Diego Living. And the interview I, I did today is my best one yet by far. And I think I was impacted by going through the process of this death ritual and the rebirth ritual and the celebration feast and, and the associated rituals that go along with that. Do you want to share that or is that sort of a... I know you say in your book that you don't want people skipping ahead, so I guess just tell us what you want to share about that. Well, let me just say that the death ritual and the celebration feast are intended 
to help you fully understand the circle of life and the finite amount of time that we have. And I will say that in, in all of my rituals, food is not treated as food. It is treated as ritual. And by using food as a ritual to teach and to drive home the points, I help people to come face-to-face with death, and it changes them dramatically. One woman who participated in this experience this past weekend has told me that she is now going to be a vegetarian because she did not like what she saw. And I've told you, we, we have packages of chickens and veal and steaks in the, in the supermarkets, and you never think about the cows and lambs and chickens that those come from. You only see them as Rocky drumettes. Well, every Rocky drumette came off of a live chicken at some point. And our rebirth ritual is preceded by death ritual and celebration feast, which make you understand where your food comes from and what you're actually doing when you are participating in the circle of life. Mm-hmm. So do you want to um, explain a little bit more of what participate besides i mean you know obviously reading the book the book is divided into 52 chapters or or well most of it, 52 chapters and um for steps that people need to take each week um do you want to explain a little bit more about about what being in the other two levels of your program entails sure the online program involves a membership area where you can watch videos and hear audios and read materials, blog links, and participate in the community blog so that you are able to get to know people on the blog. You are able to have people get to know you. You can inspect each other. You can celebrate wins with each other. But it's all done via the blog. And then there's also a conference call once a week with a large amount of people on it Sometimes a couple of hundred people will be on the call, so you won't have as much opportunity to participate as you would if you were part of the mastermind team. The mastermind teams, there are 18 people in a team, and they are all generally self-employed people or entrepreneurs, and we meet via live video web conference. The web conference technology is limited to 20 people, so it's the 18 members of the team plus me and usually a guest, a guest speaker or expert. And we will have a video conference and go through the week's topic. Like, for example, let's say week number 28 is called Flip a Switch to Create Real Courage to Change. Courage to change, man. We did some amazing things this year. People were losing weight like crazy. One man, he, had, he created the courage to change as part of this program. He quit smoking and lost 42 pounds. That That is the courage to change. And it only happens when you have a group of people who can support you in that, who are willing to step up and have the courage to change themselves as well. Getting passion in your life on a cellular level. I mean, every week I'm going to lead the team through different topic of personal growth, exploration, and development. And we use that as a framework for getting the most out of the 52 weeks for expanding our businesses, for networking with each other, for becoming everything we can be 
in terms of a human being, really getting to understand what it means to be a human being and to be you and special about you so that hopefully by the end of the year or during the course of the year, you will bring out what's truly special about you. So many people write a book or record music or really become the best parent that they could be or the best brother or sister or just to get sober. We had a man this year in San Diego. He told me the greatest gift I got this year, Clint, was that I was able to stay sober for a whole year thanks to mm. this program. Mm. And um, so well, what, let me, Because we're running out of time, let me just ask you a quick question. Today's January 4th, so when is the deadline for when, like when does the first week start? I mean, uh, when is the deadline start? to join? Yeah, you can you can join all the way through the end of January. I I will hold makeup classes when we get like large influxes of people. I'll do a makeup class to bring everyone up to speed, quote unquote. But look, sometimes the doctor will say to you, "You've got one year left to live. You have terminal cancer." Now, is every person who gets that terminal cancer sentence going to live exactly 365 days? Not everyone does. Some people only get 11 months. So if you come in a little bit late then the last year of your life is going to be a little bit shorter. And that was what was meant to be. But I'm going to take the book out of print at the end of January. I'm going to close off membership in the programs at the end of January. If you want to get involved in this experience, you have to do it before the end of January 2011, or else you're going to have to wait until December of 2011 to get into the 2012 program. Okay, and give out the website again. All of this is available at our website, www.thelastyearofyourlife.com, thelastyearofyourlife.com. Okay. Well, please, I really would urge everyone to go there. You'll get a taste, more of a taste of what we've been talking about. And one thing that I can say for sure is that unlike some gurus um, who have been unmasked and will be unmasked further in 2011, um, Clint is the real deal. You can trust the last year of your life to him. And this isn't, uh, you know, he's not setting himself up as a false guru who, you know, just wants your money or wants, wants to feel famous or whatever. It's the real deal. So, Clint, thank you so much for being on the show. And um, I just think what you're doing is fabulous. And thank, thank you, so you all for listening. And by the way, uh, in the spirit of the last year of your life, dot com, <laughs> in the spirit of thinking about this being the last year of your life, it's a time when you want to find love. So don't forget to order your copy of my new book, Bad Girls, Bad Girls Why Men Love Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. It's for men and for women to help you find love in this new year. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.